think that's the important thing to note about any type of healing is that if somebody's telling you they can get you out of burnout in four weeks, sister, you did not get there in four weeks. It's not yeah. going to be fixed. <laughs> right. And it's not going to be fixed if you just quit your job immediately and move to Tahiti. Like no matter where you go, you take yourself. So mm-hmm. you first have to start with yourself. You first have to recognize like what I had to do is to realize like, oh, not all of this is me, but maybe part of it is. And maybe that's the part that I can control and I can change. Welcome to the Confessions of a Working Mom podcast, where we bring you real life working mom stories, tips, tricks, and advice for thriving and surviving in motherhood. Because you shouldn't have to experience working motherhood alone. Join our community of support as we discuss all of the things and how we get by in this sometimes crazy and imperfect journey of working motherhood. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Confessions of a Working Mom podcast. Today on the show, I am talking to Dr. Aaron. Wiseman. So Aaron Wiseman and I talked everything burnout. So Aaron is actually a physician who became a life coach because she hit that extreme wall of brutal burnout in her career and in her life. And today on the podcast, we're going to be talking about overcoming burnout, rediscovering your purpose, and also how you can protect yourself from burnout by implementing work boundaries while balancing multiple roles and priorities. So a few statistics just to get us started. Burnout is responsible for 120,000 deaths per year. And in high pressure firms, healthcare costs are nearly 50% higher than at other organizations. So why is this conversation so important? Well, we obviously want to prevent those unnecessary deaths and we want to make moms and others realize that there is a better way to face this burnout. And that it is important to address because it doesn't just go away if you ignore it. So uh, without further ado, let's get started on this very important and relevant conversation with Dr. Erin Wiseman. Hi, Erin. Thank you so much for coming on to the Confessions of a Working Mom podcast. How are you doing today? Oh, girl. You know, it's so serendipitous that... You come on Confessions of a Working Mom podcast, and you really need to have your own confessional. (laughs) (laughs) Today has been a cluster already, and it's only 1030 Eastern time, but you know, I got to just like follow my own advice and be like, we're okay. Everything is okay here. This is no big deal. Even though I'm (laughs) sitting next to you in my closet next to my shoes, and we have no internet, so I'm streaming from my phone. Thank God for the technologies and 
yeah, this is just full disclosure. Like this is hashtag messy mom moment. And I would love to just share everything with your audience today. Yep. That's just about as real as it can get, right? That's that's what this show is all about. So I love it. So can you go ahead and tell us just a little bit about yourself, your family, and anything else you want to share with our audience? Absolutely. So, I mean, I think the biggest criteria to be on here is, you know, being a mom. So I'm a hashtag mom of three. I have two boys, one girl. We're nine, seven, and four. I live in Southern Indiana. I am a farmer's wife, but more importantly, I'm also an alpha female, which I define that as like a high performing, high functioning woman. I'm the breadwinner of our family as well as being an entrepreneur. I'm a family medicine physician, and I love helping other alpha females, other high-performing women and moms just really flourish instead of just surviving. Because let me tell you, there were several years of early motherhood where I was just living moment to moment and just like treading water and felt like I was drowning. Mm -hmm. And I see so many moms in the same position. And now that I've come out on the other side of burnout, multiple times, because I'll be honest, I have a propensity for burnout and learning from my own lessons and then helping other people through coaching. I really know that a sustainable and a fulfilling life and motherhood is absolutely possible. And so that's where I stand on everything. Yeah, I love that. So can you talk a little bit more about your experience with burnout? Just kind of like your story and how did that shape who you are today? Absolutely. So 2014 was the worst effing year of my life, like the rock bottom from the inside. But from the outside, it looked like I had summited the mountain. It was when I finished my family medicine residency training. So after med school, you've got to go on and figure out what type of doctor you're going to be. So I was finishing up then. I had two boys two years apart in residency, and I had to make up about two months of residency, if that tells you anything about how crazy, how Mm -hmm. much time I actually took off for maternity leave. In those two months where I was kind of over, my fellow residents had graduated I just felt myself like sinking deeper and deeper and deeper, but I kept telling myself, it's going to get better. It's going to get better. Like as soon as I get done with training and I get out and I'm a full fledged physician with the paycheck and the house and the white picket fence, it's going to get better. And then I got out and it wasn't better. And my family and my friends are like, aren't you so excited? Like you did everything you were going to do. You're the first doctor in our family. You're taking care of rural America. And I was just like, I don't think I can do this. Mm -hmm. Like if this is what the next 30 years of my life is going to look like, I'm out. I don't want this. But I felt so trapped and so stuck and so exhausted. I didn't even know where to start because now I wasn't just treading water anymore. Someone had attached lead weights to my legs and I was actively drowning. I remember having a conversation with my husband sitting at the kitchen bar and I was like, I'm going to quit my job. And he was like, Aaron, (laughs) okay, but give it six months. Because I mean, I literally was in six figures of student loan debt. I had just started the job like a few weeks ago with the hope that it was going to get better. But then new weight slammed on, new responsibilities felt like they were coming my way. And I just felt like I was this little small animal trapped in this cage. And 
really, honestly, I almost got to the point of hopelessness. And so I started doing what I tell all my patients not to do. And I got on the internet and I just started Googling and I started texting my med school best friends and the people I went to training with residency and any kind of mentor I could possibly think of because I am not shy at all. But I was like, but there has to be a different way. There has to be a better way. Mm-hmm. And there were so many people who were like, yeah, me too. I feel the exact same way. All these hopes and dreams, these bright eyed, bushy tail that we were as med students, like, I don't know where she is. She's gone. I don't have any answers, Karen. So then I went to my office manager and I was like, something is wrong. I don't know. I had joined a practice with two, I'm going to say older, but they were middle-aged. Their children were all like junior high, high school, college age. They were just in a different stage of life. And they were like, um, just be happy. Like, just be happy. You're here now. And even my office manager at that time, she was like, well, maybe you just need to start yourself on an antidepressant. You know, maybe that will make things better. And like in my gut, I was like, oh my God, are you really telling me to do this? So I went up the ladder and I talked to my medical director over our organization. And during that meeting, she confessed to me that she was like, well, that's actually why I got out of clinical medicine because I felt the same way. And that's why I'm doing administrative work now. And I was like, well, I just started four weeks ago. So I don't think they're going to make me a leader of anything anytime soon. (laughs) So then I went up the ladder further and I talked to our CMO, chief medical officer. and his words, and they still resonate to me, are, Dr. Wiseman, we hope to keep you for the long extent of your 30-plus year career. Why don't you go back to the clinic and think about this, and we can talk more later. So I essentially got, like, the head pat and, like, okay, go back to work type of thing. And I sat with that, and I sat with that, and I was like, no one has my answers. No one knows how I, what about me type Mm -hmm. of thing. And it was one night while I was sitting next to the tub. My husband was out farming. It was a late night. I was, of course, the last one to pick my kids up from daycare, scrambling to get there, but as they were locking the doors behind us, running home, throwing food at them, getting them in the bathtub as fast as possible so that I could just like fall apart afterwards. And I remember sitting by that bathtub with these two little boys who are just giggling and playing. And I'm just like a zombie shell and being like, it wasn't supposed to be like this. It wasn't supposed to be like this. I did all the check boxes. Why am I not happy? And so at that point, I was honestly ready to just quit and go work at a grocery store as a checkout person, stock shelves at Walmart. Like I was really, really desperate. But thank God, I finally, with all this internet searching, came across this woman who's a family medicine doctor in California as well. And she said, Hey, are you unhappy with traditional medicine? do you want to be an entrepreneur? Let's talk. And I, at that point was like, I would buy a diamond mine in Tahiti right now. If (laughs) if that was what it would save me. And so I got on the phone with her and little did I know she was a coach, a life coach, but she understood me. She heard me. She asked me some of the most incredible questions that I could tell was going to change my life. And I was like, okay, hashtag take my money. Like, fine. Like Mm -hmm. this feels so right. And that's when I started my personal journey with life coaching, being coached at that point. And what it did is it brought me so much awareness, so much clarity. It drudged up so many things that I was trying to hide in like proverbial basement closet that I had just stuffed away over the decades. But I found like so much healing from it. And then I looked around and I was like, um, 
where's all the young physician mom coaches at? Because we need this shit immediately. So as soon as I got done with my own coaching journey with her, I signed up and got training. I started doing coaching just informally with patients, with nurses, with anybody who would be willing just to give me 30 minutes to talk to. And what I realized is like, yeah, like the transformation and the change that I had, other people have. And what that did, it it triggered this internal spark and this internal change in me because I didn't quit my job. I actually stayed full-time for another year. I eventually went down to a more part-time schedule and I started building the coaching business and I kept building and building. And then in 2017, 2018, I was like, okay, I think I'm ready to try something different. And so I left my family medicine clinic and I actually had a big non-compete, which means I can't work in the area. I can't do family medicine for a year. And so I was like, okay, I can handle this. Things are different, but it doesn't mean anything's gone wrong here. I can still provide for my family. I can figure this out. And by having that mindset, then I was like, you know what? I'm not going to move halfway across the country because it's not possible to move farm ground. I'm not going to just say poor pitiful me and go get like a minimum wage job. I'm going to figure this out. And through networking and just being open to any opportunity, I actually started practicing in a rural emergency medicine uh, department. And I did that for about 15 months. So I was an ER doctor for a while, in addition to building my practice. And then eventually I'm like, okay, like, I think I'm good. My non-competes out. The business isn't making what I want it to make, but it's floating us. We're okay. And then I found other clinical type positions, moved away from the ER, and then gave the business a majority of my time. And from there, it's been curtains. That's been two years ago now, about three, three years ago. And I can proudly say, like, I am a doctor to doctors. I am a healer to healers. I am a mom to moms. But I really talk about burnout and I really talk about actual sustainable changes that you can make. Not more ways to like wake up early and so you can go exercise and food prep and other like just band-aid fixes, but mm-hmm. really like that deep in your soul, life is going to be fundamentally different. Yeah. Wow. So I love everything you just told me about that story. So from the point where they told you kind of like, you should just get on an antidepressant. Isn't that how most of our society acts? Like we just try to cover things up, right? (laughs) Instead of like getting to the root of them. So I really appreciate you mentioning, you know, that part of the story and what you did and said. I think that's so powerful for people to hear. Yeah. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. I'm a family medicine doc. Like I think that there's a time and a place for medication. But I also knew like that was not the appropriate setting, you know, or I just want to put out there, like there would have been nothing wrong for me to start medication. But what I realized, right. And I think it's important to note, like burnout is due to external stimulus. Mm -hmm. You are not broken. You Mm -hmm. do not have a chemical imbalance when you're dealing through burnout. Now, if you stay in burnout, absolutely long enough, you will have a chemical imbalance. You will become depressed. You will become severely anxious. But burnout in and of itself is due to an external stimulus. Because if you change, if you change externally, then it goes away. So, I mean, I come from a family, we have mental health in our family. So I'm acutely aware of this. Mm -hmm. But you're right. Like, it's not the quick fix. It's not like the take the pill. And I think that's the important thing to note about any type of healing 
is that if somebody's telling you they can get you out of burnout in four weeks, sister, you did not get there in four weeks. It's not yeah. going to be fixed. <laughs> right. And it's not going to be fixed if you just quit your job immediately and move to Tahiti. Like no matter where you go, you take yourself. So mm-hmm. you first have to start with yourself. You first have to recognize like what I had to do is to realize like, oh, not all of this is me, but maybe part of it is. And maybe that's the part that I can control and I can change. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. And yeah, I have a similar experience. So I started building a business on the side because I was just completely burnt out. And I had gone to school for a master's degree. I got my MBA and I did that. And then I wasn't fulfilled, just like you in your story. And I'm like, well, what can I do to guide my life in a better direction because I know this is not the direction I want it to go in. Yeah, absolutely. And so I think it's super important to recognize that besides just like up and quitting, there's a lot of different ways. And I also want to mention like the best path for you is your path. Like Mm -hmm. no one can a hundred percent tell you this is, I always say all the time, I am not your guru. I am just another participant in the conversation. I can share how I've changed my life, how I've helped others change theirs. But at the end of the day, you have to decide what's best for you. You have to pick and it's not all or nothing. And so what I tell people to do is consider these type of changes. Like when you're really thinking about like, what is going to be more sustainable for me? So number one is tweaks. And these are small changes that you can make right now. They, and they can make a world of a difference, just like slightly tweaking schedules asking for what you need, actually taking a lunch break, <laughs> you know, small adjustments that you can currently make in your situation that give you like the base and the time and the help that you need to just breathe. Because remember, when you're in burnout, you really are actively drowning. You're just trying to tread water. What's the first important thing to do in these moves is to make these tweaks is like somebody throwing you a noodle, a pool noodle that you can just like, okay, I'm just going to float here. I'm just going to like assess what's going on around me. You know, maybe the shore is like 10 feet away, but I've been so caught up in just surviving. I didn't even recognize that. So these small modifications improve your life externally, because remember, that's what we need to change. But more importantly, it helps you feel like you're getting in control of your life and your work. And so then that Mm -hmm. triggers that internal change that energizes you to help you figure out your next move. Yeah, that's so important. I think having control of our own lives is something that comes up a lot in talking to different moms and just feeling like we're actually making decisions for ourselves and not just following this path like that someone else told us to do. Yeah. One way that I have people do that instead of saying, well, I have to, or I should, or I ought to, I say, use the words I choose. I choose to insert whatever it is instead of saying like I should. Mm-hmm. And if if that like kind of like gives you like a little tingle in your belly that like doesn't feel so good, then that means you're not, don't choose that. Choose mm-hmm. something else. Right. Because I think that's where we claim our power back is remembering that we have choice, that we really have choice in, in all matters. Even when we feel like, nope, this is just coming down the totem pole. This is absolutely what I have to do. It's like, hmm. Is that really? Are we sure? And so using like purposely using those words I choose, I think is really important. 
Yeah, definitely. Do besides like making tweaks or like totally throwing out the baby with the bathwater and quitting is what I call hop. So these are making slightly bigger changes, but still staying on kind of the same path, the same trajectory Mm -hmm. that you are. And that may be asking for a promotion. It may be like changing roles. It may be asking for a different schedule. So many times we think, oh, I can't ask for that. I can't have that. They will never say yes. And what I remind everyone who's listening is like, if you never ask, it's always a no. And if the worst thing, what's the worst thing that can happen? If you go to your boss and you're like, listen, I need to start coming in at 9.30. My kids are homeschooling. We have some different arrangements. And you don't even have to tell them why. But just making the ask. And then giving some sort of equal compromise on the other side to say, like, I will come in at that time and, you know, finding another way that it brings value to your company, but also accommodates you. The worst thing that your boss can say is no. The second worst thing that they can say is you're fired. But honestly, if you're in burnout, if you're struggling that much, unemployment doesn't look too bad right now. If that really is the worst thing, you can find another job. And you can find one that will more appreciate you and not just throw you out. So these hops are really helpful when you're feeling stagnant, when you know that there's something that you need to ask for and that you've been wanting to, but that you've been too afraid to, or that you see something that somebody else is doing and you get a little bit jealous. Because I tell Mm -hmm. you to lean into that jealousy because what that is telling you is not a bad thing. It's showing you something that you desire, that you want for your own life. And guess what? You get to have that too. Yeah, I love that so much because so many times I think, and I even thought this way when I first started pursuing kind of side hustles and different things I could do. There's so many people doing these things. Like, is there even room for another person to do this? And the answer again and again and again, through all of the thousands of podcasts I've listened to and all of the books I've read is yes, like there is room for you to do that thing. Always. Always and forever because you bring... (laughs) an experience, you bring a perspective, you bring a worldview that is unlike anyone else. And you're not shooting to be Oprah here. You're not trying to reach billions and billions of people. When you're first starting out in a side hustle, you're just trying to reach hundreds, hundreds, and then a thousand, and then a thousand. Right. And so you cannot compare your beginnings to somebody else's middle. It just doesn't work that way. Because they had struggles behind the screen, the scene that you will never even know about. So you just start and you just say like, this is who I am. This is what I'm trying to do. So for instance, it's January. So we're all getting ready with tax time and that sort of thing. The first year that I was in business, I didn't even want to look at the numbers. I was so (laughs) wrapped up and like, if I'm in the red, I knew I was in the red, but if I'm in the red, that means something about me. That means I'm a horrible businesswoman. That means this business is going to fail. That means that I can't hack it. And now it's January now. I literally just sat down, got all my W-9s together for all my different contractors. I have 15 to send this year. And I'm like, that's not a big deal. Like we just take care of it. I got people for this. It can be handled. And now I look at the numbers and like, yep, they're just numbers. They're neutral. It's just data. That's all it is. This Mm -hmm. does not mean anything about my self-worth. So you've got to remember, like, when you're starting, you've got to, like, filter through all of the stories that you make up about what things mean, all the mind drama, all the thought tornadoes. And it just so happens the longer you do it, like, 
those are old obstacles. Like you've been there, you've done that. It's not a big deal anymore. And so you absolutely have a place in this world to do what you love to do, but it's your job to figure out what that is mm-hmm. and to uncover that and then to pursue it wholeheartedly. Yeah, definitely. And sometimes it takes a little bit to figure it out, but I know there's signs that come and it's like, okay, this is unfolding before me. This is what, this is the path I'm going to take now. But yeah, I definitely like everything that you're saying is resonating with me because I've been there at some point. And I know a lot of moms that are listening have probably been there at some point, or some of them are even thinking now I'm in this perpetual burnout coming out of 2020, like 2020 just hit all parents hard, you know? So it's like, I think a lot of people are thinking about these things now. Absolutely. So I think it showed us like being the Pinterest mom, being the perfect mom, it's not possible. Like perfection is not attainable. So, and I know that I'm speaking to the choir here as a recovering perfectionist, (laughs) but like failure is not the worst thing in the world. Like falling flat on your face, trying to make that cake and then saying like, nailed it. It's all feedback. And I think if we can take that into our working life, I think if we can take it into our parenting life and to be like, we're just going to do the best we can in this moment. That's all we're going to do. We don't have to worry about like, oh my God, if I feed them peas, like, is he going to be like screwed up in juvie at 18? Like, no, like <laughs> do the best you can in this moment with what you have. Mm-hmm. And then when it's the next moment or a month later or a year later, and you look back and you're like, oh, that wasn't the best. Well, you did the best you can in that moment with what you had. And I think that's what we have to look at 2020. Like we did the best we had. The answers that we were, are, were seeking are still probably three or four years away. Like yeah. <laughs> there was no right answer in 2020 on like what to do. Now, hindsight is always 2020, but I think we have to look at those per- perfectionistic tendencies. And so there's a lot of work in the psychology world. And I love to bring it in to my people about adaptive versus maladaptive perfectionism. So maladaptive perfectionism is where it's all or nothing. It's black or white. It's only about the destination. Who cares about the journey along the way? It's I love when a plan comes together, especially mine. It's the only right way is my way. Everybody else is just going to F it up. And so when we stay in maladaptive perfectionism, we are not leveraging our superpower of being a perfectionist because perfectionism is actually a really good thing. I mean, you wouldn't want to come to me as your doctor if I wasn't a little bit of a perfectionist for you. You don't want me just swapping medicines at you or really <laughs> yeah. ordering tests or being like, I don't know what that is. Like, I think I learned about it, but I forgot. No, like <laughs> it really is a superpower that you're attentive to details, that you anticipate things. But when that superpower becomes our kryptonite, then it just slowly eats away at us and drives us further into burnout. And so I think it is really important to, again, like, recognize who you are and what you bring into the world are beautiful and wonderful things. So for instance, one thing about me is I was always told when I was a little girl, stop sassing. Like I, they'd be like, Aaron, stop sassing. Cause I just had an opinion and I was just going to tell you about it. (laughs) 
And so over traditional education and kind of being like domesticated into medicine, like I just kind of let that go away because I got labeled as a disruptor whenever I spoke out or a problem causer, even though I thought I was really trying to help and bring up solutions and maybe things that other people weren't seeing. And so I really squashed that part away from me. I became like super docile and, you know, I wore what I thought a good doctor should wear and I acted how I thought a good doctor should act. And I joined the committees and the PTO like a good community doctor would do. And what I realized, that woman wasn't me. Like that sass, that is to my core. And so when I started saying like, no, I'm not going to wear the like traditional black shoes that every other doctor wears because it's neat and tidy. I'm going to wear my cheetah print uh, little kids and that's what it's going to be. Or when I said, no, I'm not joining another community organization just because you think that I need to. Or no, I will not be bringing cookies to school. Here's a $20 bill. Go buy you some (laughs) or buy something that the kids want. When I started really stepping into like who I was and my superpower of sass, God, life so much better. Yeah, I love that so much. Yeah, I think it ties back to what you were saying about kind of if you feel in that state of burnout, maybe you have to make some changes, modifications. And I think definitely doing those types of things is going to get you closer to your true self, to who you really feel like you should be. Yeah. One of the changes that I didn't mention, so tweaks, pauses, or tweaks, Mm -hmm. hops, and pauses. Mm -hmm. It's always okay to pump the brakes. It's always Mm -hmm. okay to take time away and to get clarity. When you're moving a million miles a minute, there's no way to get a grip on the facts and on your thoughts and how you're feeling. Like it's drinking water from a water hose, like a fire hose. Like you just catch what you can. Mm -hmm. So maybe this is an extra long weekend. Maybe it's taking FMLA leave. Maybe it's a full-on sabbatical. There's no like correct right amount of time. Like I just want to put that out there because people always ask me that. But what is important is that you're able to evaluate your work. You're able to evaluate your life. You're able to like touch back into that woman. Because that badass, she's still in there. She's just like squashed under everything. So it's time to like dig through the closets and uncover her. And that will help get your, your place set forward. But so many times in hustle culture, it's like, no, do more, go faster, keep on the hamster wheel. Like if you get off, you are dead. But I just want to remind people that it's absolutely okay to pause. And sometimes it's absolutely necessary because if you don't, and I've seen this multiple times, your body will shut you down eventually. It's different for different people, but our bodies can only take on so much before it's like, peace out, MF, I'm done. And I've seen so many women who come into my office and they're just like, I don't know what's wrong with me, you know, and we do the medical workup and I'm like, you know, part of the time I'm like, okay, your labs look okay, but there's obviously something wrong. So we need to dig into other spaces. And then other times there's some like true actual pathological disease now that we have to confront on top of it. So what I'm encouraging everyone is like, before you get there, take a break. Yeah. Get off the hamster wheel of hustle culture and be like, no, I've done that. You know what? I'm going to try something different. And I think 2020 was very revealing to so many people that it's actually okay. It's okay to pause. It's okay to turn your phone off. It's okay to uninstall all the social media apps. Like 
the world will not fall apart if you don't check your Instagram every day. It's okay. Yeah. <laughs> or even if you don't check your email, like it's okay. Yeah, it may be inconvenience to people, but at the end of the day, who do you go to bed with at night? I go to bed with my, and sometimes my husband, but that is who needs to be okay with your day and with your life. Not everybody else you're trying to serve and take care of. And understandably, as a mother, we want to do what's best for our children. But one of the best things that we can do is to model these type of behaviors so they don't have to learn it the way we did. Because let me tell you, I had to figure mine out. My parents didn't rest. They didn't hold boundaries. They didn't understand like what they wanted in life. Now I think they're a little bit better, but you know, they're, they've had time to look at it. How insightful would have that been if during their child rearing age, they were able to display that for me? And I'm not blaming my folks. Absolutely mm -hmm. not. But I'm looking for my children. If they can look at like what mom has done and how she goes about her work, how she interacts with them instead of being zombie mom sitting by the side of the bed the bathtub trying to get them to bed but if she's like engaged mom and smiling mom and you know the happy mom that is so much more important yeah I love that so much like when you said the part about at the end of the day you go to bed with yourself I took it like a deep sigh when you said that because it's just so true like why you know I think about in my life how I've in the past, maybe tried to live up to other people's standards or things like that, or maybe it wasn't something I really wanted to do. But once I made that pivot and decided, okay, I have to take care of myself first in order to be a good mom, to be a good wife, to be a good daughter, to be a good friend. I think that's like the whole epiphany I had, like I have to take care of myself first. Absolutely. So I was a lifeguard all through like high school and college. And that's one thing they teach you like with a drowning victim is like, if they start pulling you under the water and you're not going to be able to save yourself, like you have to push them off. You have to take care of you. You let them go unconscious and then you drag their butt in to the shore. And so it's the same way for us. Like you have to take care of yourself first because you are the golden goose. In my case, I'm a pretty damn important golden goose. And so I have to be taken care of well. I have to take care of myself. You cannot drink from an empty cup. Mm -hmm. and it shouldn't come from us pouring ourselves out. It should come from the overflow because you can get just as much from the overflow as the filling and pouring out, filling and pouring out. So important. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Well, I am so loving this conversation so far. I think it's just so important to talk about and to bring to light. And I know you talk a little bit about being sort of like intentional now with your work-life balance and really living with that intentionality. Can you kind of talk a little bit about that to the listeners and explain like how you live intentionally now with work-life balance? Sure. And I have to like total confession here as this is something that I have to keep coming back to. Like I love my work. I absolutely, I can throw myself into it and just like go to town. So it's very easy for me to slip back into old patterning of like just hammering down and like, okay, five more minutes, but five minutes turns into an hour or two hours. So yes, the living intention, like living with my eyes on like, how am I doing is both a struggle and something that has changed over the last five years as well. So I think first 
important, like I said before, is realizing that you are the golden goose. Like you lay the golden eggs. And if you kill the goose, you get no more eggs. So (laughs) what is the level that Miss Golden Goose needs in order so that she can produce the best gold eggs that there are possible? And so for me, what I call them, uh, especially when I'm working with people who are, you know, moving through burnout and into a better life, we set up like a burnout recovery plan. Just like if you went and got surgery or a procedure, you know, they would have some kind of like, okay, this is the plan, how you're going to recover. Like after delivery, you know, they tell you all about like, got to do this and you got to put that down on your hoo-ha and you got to make sure you ice and make sure you take care of your incision and this is how you take care of your boobs. It's the same thing for burnout and well. So what you first have to look at is like, okay, where do you get tripped up? What is it that like really sends you down the fire pit of burnout. And so I know one for me is sleep. Like, and you're talking to the woman who was on call multiple decades in a row. Like sleep to me is so important that I know that I am not regularly getting consistent, good and deep in uninterrupted sleep. Like that will send me on a crash course to burnout. So you can get super anal and you can track it. You can like keep tabs on yourself, but in some way you've got to stay intentional on your sleep. The other thing for me that gets me careening off the side is not moving my body. So workout is a super triggering word to me. I'm a previous college athlete. So when you tell me it's time to work out, I'm thinking of like two a days. I'm thinking of like 90 minute to two hour practice where we're going to lift, we're going to run, and then we're going to do skills. And then we're going to scrimmage. Like that's what I think of as a workout. And when I realized that that word was really triggering to me and that when I was like, oh, I got to work out, I wouldn't give myself the permission just to do like a 10 minute walk around the the block. Mm -hmm. Or I wouldn't give myself the permission to lit like a 20 minute yoga with Adrian video count because that's quote unquote, not a real workout. So what I've had to do with this intentionality is I literally put it on my calendar, move your body, move your body. It's not triggering. It's like, okay, I just got to in some way move my body. And guess what? Like five minutes of push-ups counts. 10 minutes walking on my road counts. Yoga video counts. Some kind of silly Amazon kid workout thing counts. Just doing jumping jacks counts. Maybe it's like in the summer we went out and swam. It counts. And so I think we have to really get intentional to see like what's triggering you and what's stopping you. Because we're, you're creating your own roadblocks. I was creating my own roadblocks because I was like, well, I don't have time for an hour, two hour long workout. So I'm just not going to do it at all. Yeah. And then realizing like when I don't move my body, I don't feel good. And so again, like don't call it exercise anymore. Don't call it a workout. Call it move your body. Call it leisure time. Call it whatever you need to call it, but to get that into your life. Another intentional thing with work-life balance is how are you fueling your body? I mean, I'm not going to go into like nutritional science and everybody kind of has right now what they're putting up on Instagram, but I think it's just really important to look at like, what are you eating? What are you drinking? What are you putting into yourself? And do you feel different with different types of things? So recently I love coffee. I was like, I'm a coffee drinker. I will always be a coffee drinker. That is just who I am. I love it. But what I realized when I started really looking into my coffee drinking is that I don't love coffee. I love the sugar and cream in coffee. (laughs) (laughs) And so I got rid of coffee and I don't have the jitters. I don't have the belly pain. I don't have the anxiety or the headaches. And, you know, it's like, oh, so 
don't, I don't endorse any particular diet or anything like that, but I do think we need to look on like what foods, what things make you feel powerful and what things you just use for your own pleasure and what things are maybe making you feel like yuck. And then again, going back to that statement of I choose, you get to choose. Like if you want to drink a whole bottle of wine, girl, you choose that. But you also choose anything that comes after that. The same as I'm going to eat this a healthy salad today for lunch. You choose that. And I think that's part of the getting intentional well and the taking care of the golden goose. Other things that I think are really important. So we said sleep, move your body, food. Of course, this is all the stuff that's all over the internet. I'm not telling anybody anything new. But a huge thing for me is connection. So I don't know where in American and modern culture we decided like your first, most, and deepest relationship has to be your spouse or partner. What I've really realized is like, I need an eclectic blend of relationships and connection in my life. Yeah, I need my hubs to be there and to have my back and to help me with team wise men. And also, you know, date night and that sort of thing. But I also need my tribe. I also need my ride or die friends who I can call them at 2 Mm a.m. I need those social connection friends, those people who get me in my different roles. And we can talk about business or we can talk about fantasy fiction books or, you know, like those casual friends. So I think it's really important to evaluate, like, you don't just have to have like a person or a best friend or a partner. You get to have any amount of connection that you want. And actually that connection is so important to help build you towards the life that you want. So those are kind of, I would say those are a majority of my life hacks and like how I get to be super intentional. Of course, we can talk about like going about my work day. So as you guys can tell, you know, I've got three kids. I run two different online businesses. I practice medicine. I help my husband farm. Like you can't do all that in one day. And so people always ask me like, Erin, how do you get this all done? I'm like, let me tell you a little thing called delegation. And it's really empowering to say, like, this is important, but I don't have to do everything. Because now in this world, I can find a contractor for just about everything. I can find someone to help me. Like right now, I'm doing this podcast with you. My babysitter's here and Mm -hmm. she's taking care of the kids. In addition to my babysitter being here, literally the ladies who clean my house are out there doing my dishes and folding my laundry. Like, and some people are like, oh, well, that's nice, Erin, because you have a disposable income. But let me tell you, that's not where it started. It literally started with a friend who was cleaning houses. She came to our house once a month. And I realized like, okay, like, oh, this gives me a break. And then we increased it to twice a month. And, you know, and then we're like, oh, maybe we need to get somebody to help with the lawn. You don't, again, don't compare beginnings to somebody else's middles. But you just have to start somewhere and you have to start delegating out some of the work. Because all the stuff that you see people doing online, you're not seeing the behind the scenes on how many people Mm -hmm. are actually helping them. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. And I think in a way, once you make those decisions to delegate and to get help and to hire, I think it's just going to come back kind of tenfold to you like you freed up your mental space and your mental capacity like for example with the cleaning like okay now your mental space is cleared up so you can go do something in your business and you can work on that program or you can start writing your book or you can do that dream that you've been wanting to work on so I think just like allowing you know yourself to get that help I think is only going to be beneficial in the long run 
how there's nothing better to walking into a clean house that you did not do any of it. <laughs> yeah. Clean toilets to trash <laughs> taken out to dishes done. Like, it's just like, I feel like a freaking millionaire when I do that. And I love my ladies, but I'll be honest, you know, for the couple hours that they're here in the week, I use those same hours in my business and I make threefold of that. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And so if, I mean, if we want to talk about ROI, return on investment, like it's a really good investment to keep the golden goose from having to scrub, scrub toilet. It's even more important to look at all of those things and be like, okay, what are the things that I hate to do? What are the things that I really don't know how to do, but somebody else knows how to do it better? And what are just the things that I shouldn't be doing? Mm-hmm. And looking at that list and just being like, okay, what's doable now? Like I said, a for instance, is one thing that probably I shouldn't be doing is getting up on the roof and looking at a shingle. <laughs> but I have done that occasionally, like after a <laughs> hailstorm, something like that. But now I have a person for that. He comes over because my husband's busy, because I'm busy. We do have just like a general handyman that he'll occasionally be like, hey, Fred, I got this thing going on. Will you just come look at it? And even if it's nothing he has to fix, like he charges me just a little house call fee and my peace of mind is taken care of. Nor did I have to get up on the roof, nor did I have to like scream at children to get off the ladder so that they don't (laughs) get on the roof, nor do I have to then like call someone else, like it's handled. And so I think that's the other thing too, is like when you want to get out of burnout, you have to stop doing the things that you're doing right now. You have to go about a different reality because just adding in more, I love it when people tell me, well, I just need to get up earlier. I'm like, no, no, actually that's that's not healthy. (laughs) It's not about (laughs) shoving in more. It's looking at your plate and being like, all right, it's already heaping over too much. What really needs to be here? And I think that's what the intentionality comes from. Yeah, for sure. So is there any other advice you'd like to give moms before we move on to a little lightning round that I have? I think just telling them if you're in the middle of this, if you're in the middle of burnout and you're just so caught up in it and you're just like, yeah, this is nice, Erin, but where do I really go? And you're just so uncertain. I would say the questions you need to answer for yourself, sit back, put it on a post-it note, maybe on the back of a bill. That's where I get my best ideas on the back of envelope junk mail is what are you sure of? What do you have control there? And where can you ask for help? Mm -hmm. I think that's the best place to start when you're feeling overwhelmed and you're not sure what to do because friends, you are not alone. You are not broken. And if I can do this, if I can go from being a crazy, overworked, bitchy, burned out family medicine doctor to loving my life, the freaking physician life coach and a podcaster, you can do it too. Yeah, definitely. I love that so much. I agree. If I can do it, you can do it. And I think so many times moms sort of, we do let that self-doubt creep in and we're like, well, but I can't you know, we live by like the, I can't. And my husband even tells me that I do it less often now, but I still do it sometimes. And he's like, you have to get rid of the, I can't. And I'm like, I know, I know. (laughs) Well, and it's just remembering sometimes when it's just putting one word in there, it's and the word is yet. I can Mm -hmm. yet do whatever it is. Yeah. Or 
I can't run a six minute mile yet. I can't run a six figure business yet. Yeah. And then that gives you the space to grow and to know that it's coming. And despite all the heartache and the hardship in the middle of the night, kids throwing up in the bathroom, like Mm. it's okay. Nothing has gone wrong here. This is just life. Like you are not doing anything wrong. It just is what it is. And again, you just do what you can in that moment that you think is best. Yep, for sure. So thank you so much. I just have a little bit of a lightning round now to kind of get to know you and like, you know, so our listeners can find out where they can follow you online. So what's something you would consider to be sort of like your totally like non-negotiable thing that you have to do every day? so that you feel good about yourself, so that you can start and end your day on a positive note. All right. So mine's about beginning my day. And when it's not COVID, I like to get everybody out of the house and then um, downstairs, move my body. Mm -hmm. And then a splurge that I did do early in 2020 is I bought a hot tub. And I love to just go sit 15 minutes in the hot tub, get out, shower, and then start my day. So like one of my non-negotiables is I don't start work till 10 a.m. So that it gives me time to get people off to school. Now, of course, we're homeschooling, but to get the day going, to get my, like I said, that's my kind of routine in the morning Mm -hmm. and then to hop in. Love that. That's great. Yeah. Just to kind of set your own pace for the day. So what is, what would you consider to be a sort of like a working mom hack that you would do to get through a difficult day. All right. So just like this morning, I literally had to use it Um, (laughs) is I take a deep breath. I concentrate on the farthest point of my body, which is my toes, which I I guess you would call it grounding, but I try Mm -hmm. to get out of my head and remind myself like, this is no big deal. So my Mm -hmm. kids will notice, like I'll do the big and they're like, mom, this is no big deal. This is no big deal. Like it is okay. No one has died. No one is bleeding. You know, we're not going to lose the house. This is no big deal. And so mm-hmm. honestly, it's just <laughs> sometimes reminding myself that no big deal. Everything is figureoutable. This right now yeah. is okay. Yeah. Love that. So who would you say are your favorite podcasters, authors, or other experts that have been really influential for you? Oh my gosh, so many of them. I remember sitting down in, I think it was 2014, and reading the book, You Are a Badass by Jim Sincero. Mm -hmm. And I remember after the first chapter, I was like, if I keep reading this, it's going to change my life. Mm -hmm. So I think that's one of the most powerful experiences that I had with a nonfiction book. That was super influential to me. Just some podcasts that I'm loving right now, because obviously you guys are fellow podcast bingers as well, is Office Ladies. I'm a huge Office fan. And so Office Ladies is with Jenna Fisher and Angela Kinsey, who played Pam and Angela on The Office. Oh my God, that's like my binge. Wednesday mornings, I know it comes (laughs) out. I'm like waiting for it. So Office Ladies is something I'm loving right now. Another podcast I super love right now is called Witch Please. And it's about two fabulous women. They're Canadian, actually. And they are doing a Harry Potter read-through. 
with a feminist worldview. And so I love, it feels like I'm sitting back in like a college lecture, but also with one of my like most favorite book series. So I would definitely have anybody check those out. Those are some podcasts I'm loving. Of course, like there's all like the personal development podcasts and that sort of thing. But I think it's okay to have some fun in your life, to have some things that you just do because you like it. And so one of my guilty pleasures is I am a huge fantasy fiction nerd. Like I am not a book worm. I am a book dragon. And so I love getting on Goodreads, tracking on my books, seeing what my friends are reading, seeing what new is coming out, seeing if there's something old that I haven't read before. And so I read a lot of fiction. Mm -hmm. I know I'm a life coach and like there's a lot of great like personal development books out there and, and people always ask me for recommendations, but I'm like, um, maybe you should start with Lord of the Rings because it gives me a lot of great ideas. <laughs> there and then you can keep going I also love I mean obviously people are those. I love some like fantasy fiction erotica as well you want to spice up your life and get super creative that will take you places my friends so that's <laughs> the things that I'm loving right now yeah I think that's awesome yeah fiction's definitely one of my favorites too it's just it's an escape sort of but you do come up with some pretty creative ideas when you're reading fiction so I think that's a bonus I think the other thing too is you can see yourself in a new light like Mm -hmm. you can become part with the characters and have an interaction and go to a world and peer inside of this author's mind and just again like the reality that somebody thought this up and wrote this and Mm -hmm. created this world is just so fascinating to me yeah for sure yep I would have to agree with that as a lifelong fiction fan So what are you currently working on in your business that you're most excited about? So I launched, so like I mentioned, I have a couple online businesses, but one that I'm most excited about right now is Burnt Out to Badass. So Mm -hmm. this is a group of high-performing females, like I mentioned before, who are ready to say like, no, I do not want my career to suck the life out of me any longer. I want to, that badass is in there. I know she is, but I just... I don't know how to get her there. And so one of the additions, so that's up and going. The group is awesome. We meet every Sunday. There's a self-pace that goes along with it. But what I'm most excited about the extension of this this project is the launch of the Burnt Out to Badass podcast that's happening in quarter two of this year. And so these are stories that I'm sharing. I can share my burnout story all day long, but I think Mm -hmm. it's important that that we share all of our stories. And so there's stories highlighting women who have, been in that dark night of the soul and hearing what brought them back and what helped them to flourish. And like, for me, it's coaching. I was just interviewing someone the other day and for her, it was figuring out and understanding personal finance. And now that's what she's doing. For another gal, she's industrial engineer. And for her, it was starting her side business that was around healing. So I think that it's really important to spotlight that this is not a one size fits all, that it really does look differently, but that the transformation is available for everyone. So I'm really excited to get this podcast going. We've got about half the interviews done. And so, you know, with all the behind the scene work, like I said, we're hoping to get it going in quarter two. And we're going to do it like old school Netflix, where we just like drop it season by season rather nice. than, you know, it being a continuous yeah. Um, dropping because I really want to be intentional and really find those stories that I think other people need to hear because as humans 
as a fellow fiction nerd, like we want stories. We want to hear about that. We want to experience it with other people. And so I'm excited for Burnt Out to Badass podcast to do that. Yeah, that sounds amazing. I'll definitely be taking a listen when you release that. Definitely sounds like something a lot of people would find value from. So where can people find you online? Where do you hang out the most often and all of that good stuff? Yeah, come hang out with me at my podcast, Dr. Me First. Yeah, it's a bunch of female physicians, but hey, doctors are people too. And I think that what we talk about is pertinent to everyone. You can check out Burnt Out to Badass. It's just burntoutabadass.com. Um, check out more about Dr. Me First. I have a workbook that I created that I wish that I had had when I was going through burnout. So a lot of these questions, a lot of these things that we talked about in the interview today are actually in the Dr. Me First workbook. You can get that off Amazon. If you want to hang out with me in real life, I love LinkedIn and Instagram. So we'll get those links in the show notes. But come on over, introduce yourself. I'm a real person. I'm not too big for my panties. I will definitely say hi. So let me know that you heard me on this podcast and let's get to know each other. Definitely. Thank you so much. So, well, thank you so much for coming on the show today, Erin. I so appreciate you taking the time to tell your story and to share all of these tips for burnout and, you know, kind of how to approach burnout. And I think it's just going to resonate with so many moms. So I just want to thank you so much for coming on the show today. Absolutely. And that's right. Hashtag working moms unite. (laughs) Yes, of course. All right. Well, you have a wonderful day. Thank you so much. And to another episode of the Confessions of a Working Mom podcast. Don't forget to go check out the show notes for links to all of the resources that we've talked about today. And I wanted to let you know of an amazing new mini course that I'm offering. So if you head on over to the workingmomcollective.com slash purpose, you can sign up for a mini course on discovering the path to your purpose. So in this course, I will take you through six modules to help you go from stressed, burnt out, and overwhelmed in your current career situation to happy, excited, and hopeful, and filled with passion for pursuing your purpose. So this mini course will set you up to pursue your purpose with the mindset that you can actually turn your dreams into a business. So go to theworkingmomcollective.com slash purpose to sign up for this free mini course and tag me on Instagram once you sign up, letting me know what you've discovered in your journey to pursuing your passions. So let me just tell you, I have been wanting to release a resource for all of you for the longest time. And I'm finally just putting this out into the world in hopes that it will help somebody that was like me about a year or two ago when I was completely unhappy in my current career situation. I knew I had to make a change, but I didn't exactly know where to even start. I didn't know what even the next step would look like. So this free mini course is for you if you have that feeling where you know that you want to do something more, that you want to pursue something else 
and you just really are unsure of where to get started. So it will be six modules. Module one will be a skill assessment and survey. Module two will be mindset work. Module three will be truly exploring your dreams and what those look like and how you can actually turn them into reality. Module four will be taking those dreams that you explored and formulating them into a business idea. Module five will be marketing plan basics for marketing your business. And module six will be the tech tools that you need to get started. So if you would like to start pursuing your purpose today, then just go sign up on the workingmomcollective.com slash purpose. And like I said, tag me on Instagram or DM me or send me an email and let me know how it's going for you. I really want to help you through exploring and discovering your purpose and some business ideas that you have. So please do tag me and send me DMs. I read all of them. And thank you so much for continuing to listen to the Confessions of a Working Mom podcast. I will catch you on the next show. I would be so, so grateful if you went and left a rating and review of the podcast So Apple loves it when you rate and review the podcast that you love listening to. And it would just mean the world to me if you went over and left a rating and review for the podcast. So that way our show can be introduced to more working moms that really, really can gain positivity from these episodes that can teach them something. So if you go and leave a rating and review, I would be so grateful and just thank you again for continuing to listen every week. You are the reason why I continue to talk into this microphone for this podcast. Without you, I would have the podcast. So thank you so much.